Section 27 of the English Restoration and Louis the Fourteenth by Osmond Airy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 21. Louis, William, Charles, Parliament, 1674 to 1677. Part 1. 1. Campaign of 1674. The campaign of 1674 displayed the advantages possessed by a single power ably led against a coalition, however extensive. Louis, as usual, was beforehand with his foes. While Turenne and Condé held the Upper Rhine and the Spanish Low Countries, and Schomberg faced the Spaniards in Roussillon, Louis himself invaded Franche-Comté, and in less than two months once more carried the french frontier on the east to its natural barrier the jura mountains Condé, meanwhile confronted the superior forces of william on the meuse and the sambre he cautiously bided his time until the prince unable to induce him to give battle began to withdraw his troops then he dashed at the rearguard routed it at senef and captured the whole baggage train a second and third attack failed to dislodge William's main body from the strong position which he held, and three days of terrible carnage, no fewer than 25,000 men were left dead or dying on the field, ended with no decisive advantage. The campaign in the Low Countries closed with the loss to France of only Dunon and Huy on the Meuse and Grave. The fighting on the Rhine displayed more than ever the superiority of Turenne's generalship. With greatly inferior forces, he met the imperialists at Sinsheim, June 16th, between the Rhine and the Necker, and drove them back across the latter river. Then followed, during July and August, the first of the terrible wastings of the Palatinate on both sides of the Rhine. Turenne was determined that the enemy should find no subsistence there, and he made the whole land a desert. Strongly reinforced, the imperialists again crossed at Mayence, and marched up the left bank to Spire, there finding Turenne prepared to defend Lower Alsace. They recrossed and reached Strasbourg just in time to anticipate him, as he came with all haste by the other bank, Having effected a junction with a fresh army brought up by the Grand Elector, they prepared to chase him out of Alsace. The emergency called out all Turenne's powers. With splendid confidence he promised Louis that if fully supported, he would by the end of the year drive the enemy beyond the Rhine. The redemption of his pledge forms one of the most memorable feats of modern warfare. For a month, by a masterly use of his small force, he kept the enemy from penetrating the rough country which he held. On November 29th, he suddenly carried his whole army across the Vosges to Lixem, near Sarbourg, on the western side of the chain. He then, with the mountains as a screen between him and the enemy, rapidly traversed the whole line of the Vosges from north to south, picking up reinforcements on the way. At the southern end, where the chain bends sharply to the west, he divided his army into four bodies, and keeping his ultimate plan profoundly secret, sent them each by a separate route 
back over the angle thus formed with orders to rendezvous at belfort on the eastern side of the famous bulwark of france which guards the gap between the vosges and the jura so well was he obeyed that after three weeks wrestling with all the difficulties of snow-covered and almost trackless mountains he found himself at belfort on december twenty seventh with a wearied but eager army of forty thousand men without a day's delay he swept northward upon the unsuspecting foe who as he anticipated had scattered themselves throughout alsace when they learned his retreat routed them at mulhausen drove a large body across the swiss frontier and on january fifth utterly defeated the grand elector at colmar then pushing on chased the enemy before him in confusion to strasbourg panic-stricken and quarrelling among themselves they hurried across the river and within a week from the battle of colmar turenne had fulfilled his promise not a german soldier remained on the french side of the rhine none the less louis was daily becoming more anxious to separate his enemies with the dutch he had good hopes for they had now no direct interest in the war charles on concluding his separate peace had offered his mediation and london again became the centre of diplomatic intrigue two william of orange connection with england his power in the united provinces william was at this time exercising much influence upon english politics in confidential communication with the shaftesbury cabal he had through them practically driven charles to make peace and he was not without hope that he might even oblige him to join the coalition against france up to the battle of seneff therefore he had declined the english mediation that event however and the powerful movement which was arising at home for peace changed his view conciliatory letters passed between the uncle and nephew and william suggested that he should visit the king in london but charles to gratify louis coldly declined the proffered visit he went still further though fully aware of the exasperation caused by the last three prorogations he determined on a fourth he was resolved to be henceforth his own foreign minister he had forced arlington to sell his office of secretary of state to sir joseph williamson who possessed no influence buckingham had been thrown over on the ground of the late vote of the commons danby by virtue of his usefulness in finding money and in manufacturing votes had under the protection of the duchess of portsmouth the conduct of all home business but of that alone concealing his intention even from him to the last moment charles announced to his silent and astonished council that parliament would not meet for business until april sixteen seventy five the effect of this master stroke as he deemed it was immediate but in a direction opposite to his hopes william in angry disappointment at once gave up all thoughts of accommodation with france he stayed all conciliatory action on the part of the states-general and induced them to refuse the proposed suspension of arms at sea and to demand not only the abrogation of the peace of aix-la-chapelle but even the enforcement of the conditions of that of the pyrenees this firmness and the knowledge of william's influence in england at once altered charles's fickle resolutions he made up his mind to bind the prince to the interests of the crown by a step which had long been discussed 
a marriage with mary the eldest daughter of james the first suggestion of this alliance had originally been but one of several expressions of the anxiety which arose from the childlessness of the queen the possibility of putting forward monmouth his favourite son as heir had been mentioned while as early as sixteen sixty nine buckingham had urged a parliamentary divorce and shaftesbury when in office had supported the idea charles however to his credit never seriously entertained a proposal so injurious to his wife nor did he give the slightest countenance to the scheme concerning monmouth then came the second marriage of james with its prospects of a catholic succession should a son be born nobody at present seriously proposed the exclusion of james and the alliance of william and mary offered itself as a means of reconciling the doctrine of hereditary right with the abhorrence of a catholic king charles had hitherto in deference to louis and james rejected the idea now however in spite of the remonstrances of the former he dispatched arlington and lord ossory in november to the hague to secure if possible peace between france and the dutch and the betrothal of william to mary peace it was soon found was impracticable on william's terms as to the marriage it was declined on two grounds another child was about to be born to james and if this were a boy the eventual advantage to william of such a marriage would be slight his friends in england too pressed him to refuse to associate himself with james in a way which must weaken his influence with themselves william had meanwhile been strengthening and extending his power at home the election of his adherent fachel to succeed de witt had in a great measure secured the control of the states-general while by obtaining the right of nominating the mayors of the towns which had hitherto been expressly reserved to the towns themselves he had largely annulled the republican constitution his offices of stadtholder captain and admiral-general for holland and friesland had been made hereditary while hilders and utrecht had since the french conquest been placed entirely under his control hilders indeed had offered him the sovereign name and power and he was anxious to accept it but just as when war was at their gates the people had demanded a strong executive so when the danger was removed the old jealousy of despotism reasserted itself and william was obliged by general outcry to put aside the idea in this state of affairs the approaching meeting of the english parliament excited the attention of all europe for a while it was doubtful whether it would meet at all since louis had promised charles another subsidy if he would dissolve or even prorogue it for a year and he was warmly supported by james for his own reasons but danby offered the strongest opposition that able minister the forerunner of harley in party management and of walpole in parliamentary corruption was sincerely opposed to the influence of france he had shaped a bold policy of his own which if successful would ruin the shaftesbury cabal at a blow a return namely to the policy of clarendon a cordial union between royalism and anglicanism in opposition to all forms of nonconformity and limitation of the prerogative he had induced the king to publish during the recess a fresh body of edicts framed in conference with the bishops at lambeth enforcing the penal laws especially against the catholics 
and he had spared no efforts to win over individual members of the commons the last prorogation had in his opinion been a dangerous measure a dissolution would throw the whole power into the hands of shaftesbury and his friends the navy meanwhile was rotting away for want of money which a parliament alone could give charles accepted danby's advice the more readily as the development of english commerce had increased his annual revenue by one hundred and fifty thousand pounds the only promise he would give louis was to dissolve parliament should they insist on fixed times of meeting attack either james or his ministers or meddle with alliances or terms of peace louis fell back upon bribery it was now that parliament began to earn with justice the name of the pensionary parliament english french spanish and dutch money jingled in the same pockets rouvigny had ten thousand pounds for direct bribery of members with a large sum to enable him to keep a lavish table the spanish ambassador came with full hands van boeningen took a house in westminster and exercised splendid hospitality the danish resident had a grant from the republic for the same object the shaftesbury opposition were equally ready their leader in a letter to lord carlisle had sounded the note of attack danby was if possible to be overthrown and a dissolution brought about three parliament april to june sixteen seventy five the non-resisting test it was then with a frank return to the policy of clarendon that charles and danby met parliament in april sixteen seventy five and the lambeth edicts were quoted as an earnest of the intention to regard the church in its double aspect as a protestant church opposed to popery and an established church opposed to dissent danby's wholesale corruption of the commons had so far succeeded that he was enabled to defeat the vigorous attack which was at once made upon him on the ground of his arbitrary government of the exchequer and his lavish expenditure of public money for private and family ends the court also scored a success in the rejection of a resolution incapacitating placemen from sitting in parliament so evenly however were the parties balanced and so exasperated had feeling become that it was only after a scene of unparalleled disorder following an even division when blows were exchanged and but for the promptitude of the speaker blood would undoubtedly have been shed on the floor of the house that a resolution for an address to the king to recall the english troops in the french service was defeated by a single vote from this point the commons again became impracticable the rapid progress of louis in the spanish low countries and still more the growth of the french navy roused such jealousy in england and threw such strength into the hands of the opposition that louis instructed rouvigny to offer a truce should it become necessary to soothe this irritation so pressed was charles by his own people by spain and by the republic to take measures for the defence of the spanish low countries and to compel louis to make peace that he declared to rouvigny that he was like a besieged fortress the commons took up their old position of regarding themselves as on guard against popery in france and they passed a resolution to consider no bills whatever except such as might come down from the lords danby determined to make his great effort in the upper house where he was sure of a majority 
the meaning of the conference at lambeth was shown when he brought forward the famous non-resisting test it was proposed that no one should hold office or sit in either house unless he had first taken the oath imposed on nonconformist ministers by the five mile act to attempt no alteration in the government of church or state the object was to drive catholic peers from the lords and presbyterian members from the commons the anglican clergy the parliament and the executive would then form one dominant party freed from all risks of opposition it was understood that if the test were passed the court would at once yield to the demands of parliament as to foreign policy against every stage of this audacious measure the opposition lords led with remarkable power by shaftesbury fought for fifteen days with persistent courage they pointed out that so far from the bill affording safeguards against popery any papist might as the oath was drawn take it without hesitation and they secured its amendment as follows i will not endeavour the alteration of the protestant religion now established in the church of england or of the government of church and state whether the bill would have passed the commons is doubtful but parties were so equal in a matter in which neither france nor popery was directly concerned that it was possible that stage however was never reached a dispute suddenly sprang up between the two houses on the old question of the right of appeal to the lords that which had happened in sixteen sixty eight happened again neither house would give way an inch shaftesbury exerted himself to the utmost to make reconciliation impossible the dispute absorbed the whole attention of both houses and there was no opportunity for introducing the bill in commons danby was thus at the outset completely baffled and charles was compelled in june to prorogue the parliament until october when it again met the situation was profoundly modified by events on the continent which more than ever made it necessary for louis to secure the neutrality of england four reverses of louis in sixteen seventy five secret treaty with charles the second in the spring and early summer of sixteen seventy five louis always beforehand had captured liege and limbourg and had recovered dinan Huy, and Givet. the line of the meuse was thus secured from the french frontier to maastricht while that of the moselle was blocked by the possession of treves the junction of the imperialists with the spaniards was now therefore fully guarded against turenne faced montecoccoli in alsace by compelling strasbourg to keep its neutrality and therefore to refuse the imperialists a passage across the rhine he forced them to pass into lower alsace at spire he then threw a bridge over the river a little before strasbourg and marched along the right bank into the palatinate thus getting to montecoccoli's rear his antagonist at once recrossed to contest the country between the rhine and the necker where turenne had won his former victory at sinsheim after six weeks manoeuvring turenne took the offensive intending to drive montecoccoli behind the black forest in july he succeeded in cutting his line and thus obliged him to leave the valley of the rhine and retreat to sasbach on the slopes of the black forest to the east of strasbourg here turenne came up with him as he was visiting his outposts before the attack he was heard to utter one of his rare expressions of confidence 
i have them now he exclaimed they shall not escape me again hardly were the words out of his lips when a chance shot struck him in the breast and the great commander fell dead End of section 27